I was interning at a drop-in center for homeless youths, and most of them were addicted to one substance or another and were regularly high. Few of them had completed school to any significant level and all had experienced more trauma in the past week than I had my whole lifetime. And I was charged with communicating a biblical truth that would inspire and encourage these young souls, which is when I opened my Bible to Jeremiah 29 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Courtney, and this is Coffee for the Soul. We're both coffee and Jesus lovers. Our hope is that this podcast is a shot of energy for your spiritual life. In this season, we are looking at how our backgrounds influence our approach of the Bible and discover the true meaning of the most popular verses. So our verse today is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Court, when you first heard this, do you remember at all like what you were feeling or thinking? Yeah, so I remember first reading this about four to five years ago um, when I first really started contemplating coming to church and finding out who Jesus really was. And I just remember thinking when reading it that there's still hope for me and that God has a plan for me and my future still stands a chance. So although I understand the verse a bit differently now, um, it really played a part in my pursuit of figuring out what God's plan for me and what that looks like. So Yeah, yeah that's so cool. I grew up with this verse. Um, my dad was a pastor, and so this was one of those verses that was kind of always around. But the first time that I really studied it was when I was interning in Zambia and was in that situation I shared earlier. And I had so many desires and wants for those kids who were in front of me. And I brought each one of those into how I looked at this passage. I wanted their lives to be so much better than what they were because they were just consumed. It was drugs, alcohol, theft. They were beating each other. They were homeless, like all of the things. And I desperately wanted them to know that Jesus came to change their eternity and their lives like in that moment, that there could be a better way to live life today. And I mean, at the end of the day, I just really wanted them to hope again because they just didn't have that. And Jeremiah 29, 11 was the first verse that I thought of, I think, because it had just been part of my life for so long. It was one of those verses that was just ingrained in me and it's so beautiful and on the surface it seemed to perfectly fit what I was trying to communicate but in that moment like I was 19 years old it was probably the first devotional I'd ever really presented and I think that I used the verse out of context and proof texted because I came with my with what I wanted to say. And I tried to make the Bible fit that rather than looking at the Bible and just talking and teaching from what the Bible said. So I'm really excited with all that to just really unpack what this verse means and the context and kind of what goes into into it. Yeah. So we know that the Bible is written to specific people at a specific time in a specific situation. So before we can ask what God is really saying to us, we should probably be asking what was God saying to them. 
kind of just like the context that matters in our everyday conversations. It matters when we're really reading the Bible too. Absolutely. And the context is so important when we understand this verse because the king and the elites of the nation uh, from the nation of Judah had just been pulled out of Jerusalem into the Babylonian capital. Like that's who this is being written to. And the Babylonians and the other empires routinely did this back in the day because they didn't just, if they didn't just like kill the leaders in general, like they routinely would pull people out into exile. And it really just was a tool that they used to strengthen the control the conquering nation had because without the leadership, the nation, the smaller nation could just be absorbed so much easier into the larger one. And like I said, it's important to recognize that Jeremiah 29 was written to these the king and the elite who had been exiled. So this is the king, the priests, the scribes. In other words, this is a group of people who knew the word of the Lord and the promises of God. They knew the promise that God had given King David about 400 years earlier, which is when he said that I will establish a place for my people Israel. I will plant them so that they may live in their own place and not be disturbed again. And he, God continues to tell David that I will rise up your descendant after you who will come from you and I will establish a kingdom and he shall build a house for my name and I will establish a throne of his kingdom forever. And God even says it again. And so when God repeats things, it's usually really important. And so he says again, your house and your kingdom shall never endure, shall endure before me. Your throne shall be established forever. And these are spoken to David through the prophet Nathan. So definitely this influenced their thinking then, right? Like how could a kingdom be established forever if they were currently conquered? Um, If this was the promise to David, then why were the people exiled in the first place? How did this line up with God's promises? Yeah, well, that's the tricky thing about God, though, right? Like, he, he doesn't fulfill his promises on our timeline, and situations are always so much more complex than what they seem on the surface. And so while God had given David this promise to establish his kingdom forever, the kingdom of Israel, God had also made a promise with the nation of Israel even earlier than David, about 850 years before when our verse was written, um, which was like 400 years before God made the promise to David. And that's what we call the law. God gave Israel the law. And it's a book of instructions for the Israelites on how to obey God. And if the people obeyed God, he would bless them. But if they disobeyed, they would experience curses and punishments. And these were simply just intended to bring their hearts back to God. Right. So in a lot of ways, God is acting like a parent. Right? Yeah. He has warned them numerous times through different prophets, and they're not listening. Um, and in result, they're not turning back to God. They're mm-hmm. so far from God, they were even sacrificing children. Um, which is obviously so far Mm -hmm. away from what pleases God. And I mean, I see this in my parenting too. I warn Liv multiple times, um, but sometimes she doesn't listen to those warnings and then naturally there are consequences. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how often when those consequences happen, does Liv like want them to not be as severe? 
Well, every time, of course. <laughs> of course. Um, of course. <laughs> so, yeah. So just like that, there's these people are feeling like, how are they feeling during this passage, right? They are in exile, but thinking it'll be a short time because the king needs to be back on the throne to fulfill the promise um, that God made to David. Right. They're only thinking from their perspective, which is why the letter Jeremiah sends them is just so catastrophic. He completely destroys their mental framework because he shares that God has sent them into exile for 70 years, which if we think about it, means that most of the people who receive this message, including the king who is carrying this promise of David, are going to die before the exile ends. So how in the world does that sound like a promise for a hope and a future and one for good and not to harm? Right. Well, I mean, it doesn't if we're only looking at one life rather than God's plan, you know, that reaches far beyond any one person, um, with the exception of Jesus, of course. Um, like Hebrews eleven thirteen talks about this exact thing. All these people, um, Abel, Noah, Abraham, and Sarah, they were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things they promised. They only stole them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. They acknowledge that God's timeline is different than ours, and he has an eternal perspective. That's such a good verse and and helps really clarify i think our passage that we're looking at because it seems like that's what god's referring to when he says he has a plan for a hope and a future he's talking about his eternal plan of redemption for all people through jesus which the nation of israel has a huge has a huge role in it was through israel that all the people would be blessed because that's where jesus comes into the picture right So when God through Jeremiah told the exiled Israelites that he knew the plan for them and that they were the plans to prosper them and not to harm them and to give them a hope and a future, he meant those plans to be for the nation, not for the individual people. Um, So in light of all that, what does that mean for us today, if anything? I think that we can take that one truth that applies to us today is that we can trust God's eternal perspective. That... This hope can help us face circumstances because when we have an eternal perspective, we can be more aligned with his viewpoint rather than just focusing on ours. So how can we do that? Uh, How do we live our current lives with an eternal perspective when we are living the opposite of an eternal life? Yeah, I think that that's a great question. And God kind of addresses it even before he brings us to the passage of Jeremiah 11. In Jeremiah the 29, verses 5 through 7, he tells the exiled people that they should be building houses and settling down, planting gardens and eating what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters and find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there and do not decrease. And also seek the peace and prosperity for the city which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I think it's so cool how God almost preemptively answers the question, um, because this is, again, a couple verses before the verse that we're looking at, Jeremiah 29, 11, because, um, and he gives really practical commands. He says, 
build houses and settle down, plant gardens and eat what they produce. And that's the work of the people at that time. They were an agricultural society. And even though they were the elite, they still needed to provide for those basic needs. And for our contacts today, that could be like the mundane things that we have to do, even just in taking care of our homes and even going to work and investing in those relationships that we have as a result of that. And so I think about how we even met through church and that is my work. That's what I do for a living. And and just by being present and being able to, God connected us through that. There was absolutely no other way we probably would have met if it wasn't (laughs) through work, right? Which is just so cool. And we have influence in relationships that we wouldn't have otherwise. And that's the second thing that's like super related is, is I think living with an eternal perspective has to be investing in relationships because investing in relationships, it's, they're the only things that we can take with us into eternity. We can't take anything that else is tangible except for the people. And so God kind of hints at this in verses six. He says, marry and have sons and daughters, have kids. That required at that time and still does now, like to have a relationship with somebody before you're going to just go marry them. And that might have been for them between fathers, um, building a relationship within different tribes, even, you know, like they had a lot of steps before they would just give their son or daughter in marriage. There was a process. And while it might not be like a process for us to get to know somebody and I'm not saying go marry everybody, but like we should be investing in the people who are around us and just caring for them and and getting to know them and encouraging them. And the last thing that God tells them in verse seven is to pray for the city where they have, where he carried them into exile. And so that's their, their enemies and praying for the community that they find themselves in. For me, that could be um, my neighbors, my friends, and the people I work with, and my community, York as a whole, York, Pennsylvania, because this is the place that God has me. It has us right now. And it even means praying for our enemies, praying for those people who maybe get on our nerves or we struggle with, because again, like those relationships are the only thing that we bring with us to eternity. Right, yeah, and I definitely, I love that you mentioned that about bringing relationships into eternity because I don't think um, maybe that's something that people realize or really focus on. So I love that that's kind of unpacked unpacked in this verse. Um, So with all that said, I mean, that's totally great. And but how do we apply this to our real life now, like our our daily lives? Yeah, I can just share what I do for me. Yeah. I find it really helpful to keep a prayer journal and it's not something that I'm always super faithful with. It's something that I want to grow in, but um, I really enjoy the one I have because it has a place where I can write the prayer request and it has a place also where I can write a scripture, what God is teaching me. And then my favorite part is at the bottom of the section, I can write in how God answered that prayer. And it's such a reminder for me, first of all, to be praying for people and to be investing in people in that way. But then also 
it's so encouraging to go back and see how God's answered prayer after prayer. And sometimes that last section where God answered prayer, it stays blank for a long time. And I think it's okay if it never gets filled in, honestly. I mean, we kind of saw that there were plenty of people throughout history who died before seeing God's promises fulfilled to them. And so it's okay if that stays blank, but I think it's, it's just for me, writing it down is just such a tangible way of aligning my heart with God's perspective and like being okay in the moment and being content um, with where he has me. And so I would just say like start today. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be a journal or anything like that. Like even if it's a, a note on your phone or a blank piece of paper, I would just say in, write down what circumstances you find yourself in and pray that you can see it in God's eternal in, eternal perspective. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and I definitely think we should link that prayer journal because I oh, have yeah. the same one and okay. I rely on it heavily. <laughs> um, and it really taught me um, in those moments where I didn't um, fill out, you know, those section where it's like, how did God answer my prayers? Like, it doesn't need to, it's not on my time either. Mm-hmm. And it might not be um, in my lifetime. And it just really helped grow that faith and that God is always working and that he has a plan for me and a hope in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely love that. And I really liked um, doing the work that God calls you to. And sometimes we don't always know what that is in the moment and mm. really it's the journey of trusting God and figuring out what is the work that you're being called to um, and it might start off like those mundane tasks mm-hmm. of just everyday things and just putting the trust that there's a plan and a hope in a future kind of leads you into um, new opportunities and new relationships and that's something I really enjoyed finding out um, mm. like in investing in those relationships I know just through um doing what God has called me to do. And following that, I've invested in relationships, but I've also had relationships with other people who have invested in me and in return have helped me grow as a person and grow spiritually. And like, obviously you're one of those <laughs> those people of how much um, we've grown together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I absolutely love that. Um, and it truly puts into perspective, you know, the gift of eternity that yeah. God has for us. And again, I really love how you reflected on bringing those relationships into eternity. It's kind of like almost a comforting thing. Yeah. Yeah. So to recap our big big idea and takeaway from today, Jeremiah 29:11, for I know I plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. What we're really taking away is just that we can trust God in our current circumstances and trust in his eternal perspective, right? Right, yeah, and we can apply that by writing down situations and praying and praying for other people and praying for God to give us his eternal perspective and just doing the work that God is calling us to do gives us the opportunities to invest in relationships. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you found this time helpful and beneficial for your spiritual journey. If you have, please subscribe to be notified when the next energy shot for the soul is available. Join us next time as we unpack Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me and discover how we can apply the biblical truth to our lives today.